Hi, this is John Waite, and you're listening to the Rock Solid Podcast. Welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me today, he was on the show almost eight years ago, back in August of 2013, and I am so excited to welcome him again. He's one of my all-time favorite vocalists, had the pleasure of seeing him so many times in concert here in Southern California, and I'm excited to talk about his new project, so please welcome Mr. John Waite. Hey, John, how you doing? Um, well, thank you. I didn't realize we'd, we'd spoken before. I'm trying to catch up now. John, we, uh, you came to the studio. We did it live. This is in 2013. So I Was actually, it in the valley? In the valley? Yes. I had to actually send a car for you. I walked past the studio the other day, and I was trying to put it together in my head. Yeah, we talked about 9-11 and all sorts of stuff. It was All kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I remember, but it was weird. I walked past where we'd done the interview, and I remember thinking, I've been here before. <laughs> I was trying to, just trying to put it together in my head, so that's kind of weird, you know. But. It was before Uber and Lyft, so I actually sent a car service for you. So it was uh, things... Well, about- I'm sure I appreciated it, yeah. You, you definitely did. I remember... Was that, the, was that your big bag of money on the back seat? Was that your- <laughs> I, I wish it was. The... Um- <laughs> The thing that stands out for me in that interview is I yeah. I played a song called St. Patrick's Day. Oh, yeah. And you got very emotional about that tune in the yeah. moment. And I still love that song to this day. I think it's just fabulous. One of my favorite songs you've done. Thank you. Thank you. Well, he pulls her from the crowd To the doorway where they kiss She whispers with her eyes Will you have me? And he winks a roguish smile And he lights a cigarette Thinking what the hell took you so long To find me Cause all I want Is what you are You still live in Santa Monica? I do, yeah. Is uh, is Southern California home now? It has been for 20 years, but um, I'm always toying with the idea of going back to New York City. I mean, I, I still 
I'm going there next week for a holiday just to catch up and be there. But I, I often think I'm going to just sell everything up and go and live in the city again, you know? Where would you find more songwriting inspiration? In New York City? Oh, or Nowhere. I mean, I mean, I, mean uh, I just did an interview today and I, I said being in New York City is like being uh, a tube of toothpaste, you know? The city squeezes you. It just, you have output. Uh, everywhere you go, there's a story and there's a memory uh, and there's the present, you know, all happening simultaneously. You'd be kind of made out of stone not to be inspired. You talk about St. Patrick's Day. That came from, um, I was on a flight to Phoenix, I think, and I was reading the New York Times and there was a picture of a young Irish girl running out and hugging a firefighter. And it wasn't too long after 9-11, you know, yeah, and uh, she was a pretty Colleen, you know, and he was a very proud Irish firefighter and very emotional day, you know, with the firefighters and nine eleven and everything. And um, that's inspired. It was St Patrick's Day, but I mean, it inspired the song. But that's just a picture in a, a newspaper. But everywhere you go in New York, you know, it's it's profoundly. Uh, it gets my attention. Yeah. Yeah. It may be too laid back in Southern California for songwriting. A little, you know, I tend to go more inward uh, than outward. I, I, I can't, I can't justify writing about something that's purely imaginary unless I'm trying to draw in something I've experienced and then uh, sort of spell it out differently, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John, when was the, uh, what was the last show you did live before lockdown because you were one of the last performers I saw live because I was at the Eddie money tribute concert. Oh, great. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. It was a beautiful night. Uh, I, um, we did three shows in, um, in Florida, two in one night actually. And then I got on a plane, went to, uh, New York city for 10 days for a holiday, got on a train and took the train back to Chicago, Chicago uh, Union Station. But it's a year. It's over a year since I've been on stage. Yeah. And yeah. missing it, I imagine? Well, I. it's a mixed thing. I mean, nobody misses going to the airport at six in the morning to go right. through security, you know? Yeah. And nobody misses sitting on a plane with a bunch of strangers uh, for up to five hours in America, you know? But the, the, hour, the hour and a half on stage and meeting the audience and communicating, I miss that deeply. You know, I mean, I, I, was, I thought I was going to write a whole album in the downtime I've been off, but the energy just, there's nobody to sing to, to play to, to write to. Right. And um, I didn't expect that. I expected it to be like a, an outpouring of, of music, but I couldn't find the, the center. I couldn't find a... A reason, you know, you, when you write songs, you're writing for people. You're trying to talk to people. And I felt like I had no one to talk to, really. Well, that's the weird thing about the lockdown. It it, it kind of gave a lot of us uh, an excuse to to do nothing, to just yeah. to just sit yeah. with our thoughts and you know, yeah. just veg yeah, I just out. Of, I just spent a lot of time just doing I, I tried. I'm, I'm painting again, and I got a lot done with that. And I have, there's a documentary being shot on me a full budget documentary and i've had a camera crew up here and i've had i've been in the studio being filmed and 
a lot of people have been filmed to talk and that was interesting because that's like uh when somebody's putting a microphone underneath your nose and saying you know did you really do that and you're trying to sort of like explain your life without going to jail and um <laughs> no seriously and uh that was interesting and uh the wooden heart album where i just went in and recorded some songs acoustically that just came out but apart from the wooden heart album following is one two three and the uh the documentary it's, it's just been like nothing it's just been like a a lot of drinking of white of red wine and um you know that becomes just ridiculous <laughs> just, <laughs> you know who did you allow yourself to hang out with during this period? My girlfriend. That's uh, that's all we. That's that was it. I mean, it really was it. I, I can go to some restaurants here, and I, and I know a lot of people, and they're very kind, and they talk, and they know all the waiters and waitresses and stuff. Uh, but it's it's very quiet here. Yeah, you know, I mean, we we had a a near riot about six months ago, a Black Lives Matter protest turned into like a smashing windows and looting and. Uh, they called in the National Guard the next day. And since then, there's been a lot of people going out of business. A lot of, a lot of stores have closed. There's no yeah. tourism. A lot of homeless people showed up. It's, it's a whole different town now. So, um, it's, you know, it's just strange. Where, where are you right now? Are you in the- I mean, I'm in Woodland Hills. I mean, I'm in- Oh, Southern I love Hill. Woodland Hills. Yeah. That's where the studio is. That's the doghouse. Yes. Yep. And, um, and Anabak. The uh, the five of the Indian restaurant on Ventura. Absolutely, yes, yes. Yeah, but, oh, yeah, right. yeah. I like Woodland Hills too. I want to talk about this Eddie Money uh, tribute concert real quick. Yeah. Um, you chose to sing. What, did you choose the song yourself? Did you get to choose what you wanted to sing? No, Laurie, his wife, who's a wonderful person. She asked me if I'd like to do that. I said. Uh, I didn't want to come and rehearse the day before mm -hmm. and I wanted to do an acoustic song. Okay. And uh, I didn't want to have anything go wrong. I just wanted to show up sound check with my acoustic guitar player and sing the song. And um, it fit that, Yeah. you know, some people say, you know, it was just like baleful, you know? And, and just, um, so people know the song that you chose was save a little room in your heart for me. Yeah. And, um, and for me, you James Hetfield was a surprise. Yeah. But you were the best of the night, John. You really, uh, what I liked about what you did was you you paid tribute to Eddie's beautiful words, but you did it in your own style. You made that song your own. Some people are all love Well, the push and shove. So, 
Well, I, I didn't really have a choice. I mean, that's kind of what I do. I mean, I even changed some of the lyrics without thinking. Mm -hmm. I mean, a song draws you into it and you're lost in it. And it's a very emotional night. So you're just like gliding, really. I had no idea if the audience would know who I was. I just came out and started singing. It was a very beautiful thing. And I, it was, uh, you know, good God. You know, Eddie was such an upbeat. It was such a, I saw him. About last time, about a year and a half ago, two years, we were doing a gig together in Long Island. And um, it was the best time I spent with him. That's good. I, I went in the dressing room to say hello, and he was ill. You know, I walked in, it was like, Eddie, what's gay? You know, it was real thin. You could just tell to see him. Yeah, and he was immaculate. He had these Gucci sneakers. He was just really well-dressed. And he was tiny. He was thin. And it was Johnny, you know, he was give me a big hug, telling dirty jokes. And it was yeah. just his family was there, his kids, great kids, you know, his and his beautiful wife. And it and it, I've never seen him so upbeat. He was enjoying every second of it. It was his birthday. Wow. Yeah. And I we, we went off to this and he introduced me on stage. And it was like, it was just really beautiful night. I'm glad that we had that chance to spend that night, you know. Yeah. Rather than him just go off into the ether and not have a chance to say goodbye, but it was nice to sing the song in his honor. Yeah. I always tell people, you know, Eddie has this uh, goofy, jokey personality, but yeah. he wrote these songs. This He is a songwriter. Yeah. And I, I try to always remind people of that, that. I want to go back is a very poignant song. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I want to go back, back, do it all over, but it's beautiful, you know, and, uh, uh, Good God, everything. I mean, I when I was learning the song, I was I couldn't I couldn't get it in my head. I just couldn't. He had a way of going at a melody that was exactly it was Eddie. You couldn't, he wasn't copying anybody. No. I mean, Tickets to Paradise is a very unique song. Yeah. You know, it really is. I was talking to um Sammy Hagar about it that night, and he was saying, Yeah, man, fuck. You know, you just you're trying to do the song, and you, but it's so much his that all you can do is do your own version. Exactly. You know, which is uh, the mark of a real artist. And I think uh, he always got credit for being a great singer. And, a, and, a, and but but I think people have overlooked the fact that he really has written. Yeah, that's why I bring it up because I, I agree. I think he's highly overlooked as a songwriter. Yeah, me too. And even from my point of view, when he passed, I went back and looked at his work, and I went like, "Fuck me." That's really beautiful. You know, I actually got up at one gig about 10 years ago with him and sang, um, I want to go back. We're at some racetrack. At this gig, and I had to do it my own way and be soulful. I did the thing, but it was great. You know, I've always, I always knew how good he was. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I always, I've always known it too, because I love Eddie Money. And since we're on this, when, when a friend like this passes, one of your peers, uh, yeah. How does that affect the way you're looking at your own mortality now? Well, everybody's kicking off, you know? It's crazy. Hey, I know. The guy uh, that, that used to make all my clothes when I was in the babies, a tailor, he was in the room with Tom Petty when Tom Petty just, just had a heart attack and died. And I've been friends with this guy for uh, since, I mean, like 
maybe 40 years. I mean, we've been very close. I've lost contact with him now. But he was living with, with Tom. And, uh, you know, it's what, it's what it is. I mean, it's what we are. The great tragedy is that we're trying to hold on to life and leave our mark and write, write stories and songs and create art and love each other and have babies and try and leave a mark. And, and the, the secret is you can't, you know, yeah. everything is uh, ephemeral. You know, everything is just here for a moment and it's gone. It's like cigarette smoke. You look at the cigarette smoke and it's soot and then it's gone. It's something else. And life is like that. Everything has a, a moment in the light and then it's gone. And it's, it's very hard to accept the hardness of that, but it's, um, it's, it's, you have to be in, like, sing harmony to it. You know, you have to be, you have to love life and be heroic enough in some small way to, to glorify your own passing, to just yeah. say, thank you. It right. was wonderful. And there are kids, I had a kid friend at school, when I was 12, who died of a brain tumor, is my best friend. And, uh, you know, if I ever feel sorry for myself or think the world's, you know, I didn't make that second million, whatever, you know. It's like, <laughs> right, right. You know, 12. Go and check a grave out of a 12-year-old. Yeah. It'll stop you in your tracks, you know. That's I'm kind very of grateful to be I'm very grateful for my life. And and you've always uh, you've always been an artist that uh, you seem to keep yourself uh, physically in shape. You're you've always been thin. Maybe that's genetics. But uh, yeah. I feel John Waite will be here for a long time. So, <laughs> well, my mom, my mom is ninety six. There you go. And uh, she fell over this year. She had an accident. She fell, broke a hip. And uh, I'm I, sorry to hear that. Yeah, you know. So it's got a happy ending. Okay. And I thought with with lockdown, I thought, well, that's it. I couldn't fly out to see it. They wouldn't even let me on a plane at that point. Yeah. Now that you have to quarantine for two weeks, they might just let you into the country. But and she got better. But um, my mom, that's the mark of really strong genes. I think I've had a very rock and roll life. And uh, I've had friends just, like we talked about, die. You know, and it's just a, a natural kind of result of sometimes a very hard life. But, um, yeah, I think I'm going to be around for a while. I do. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, one more thing about the Eddie Money tribute thing. After the show, I walked. Uh, I walked out behind the uh, the venue as mm. I as I do as a fan, and yeah. um, I want to let people know that as a fan, I've had many interactions with you. Like I've met you many times as a fan. I've gotten your autograph too many times. <laughs> um, I really have. I, I I have I have it so many times, John. But you have always been at the top of the game as far as. Uh, with the fans because out back that night you were uh taking pictures and signing things and being so nice and and i really feel like you feel that that's kind of part of the job but um i've never seen you be anything but uh but wonderful with the fans jesus well it's a two-way street you know i mean uh I, the, when i've met the people that I really adored, you know, like I met Townsend and I met Dylan and I met Marriott and I've, you know, I've met everybody really, but mm -hmm. they've always been, the good ones are always like, uh, you know, they're just there. Yeah. And the, the ones that are kind of like, are being fabulous, you know, like 
Oh, I'll sign that. Yes, okay. You know, it's like somebody buys your records, man, and they come to the shows and they listen to your music all their life, and you stop and have a quick word with them and look them in the eyes and don't just, you know, I mean, it's it's a small thing to do, but it, it's meant a lot to me when it's happened to me, you know. Yeah. Well, it's uh again, it's it's great, and um and I'm sure a lot of times you don't feel like doing it, but I've never seen. Well, you do, you do, uh, you know, the, uh, unless I've been, you know, got too thick or you know whatever. Uh -huh. But I mean, you look at somebody and you um, I like people, you know, I do. I mean, I've been in the music business all my life, and that can turn you off just about anything. Mm -hmm. But I like I like people. I do. I I think if you look somebody in the eyes and you're positive, you're going to get that back. You know, I think, I mean, there are people, there's like 2% of the the world uh, are going to cause as much trouble as they can. And um, they can be real bastards. But the, <laughs> the other, the other 90, 98% are just people, you know, and we're all going through this together. And, uh, you know, there isn't one race better than the other. There isn't one color or religion or sex or middle sex or whatever it's supposed to be. We're all in this together. And uh, if we don't live together, we'll die alone, you know. That's true. And you can tell that you like people because uh, in in some of the your later period songs, these story type songs that you write, yeah. that really comes through because the imagery, like I can just, I can hear one of your songs and I'm talking like from Temple Bar through Figure in a Landscape, which is my favorite period. And Thank you. Uh, I can see exactly what you're singing. Like it, you make it, so simple to visualize everything. It's um, I love it. Going back to this documentary you just talked about, I feel like your life musically is like five chapters. Like chapter one is the babies, and chapter two is your first four solo albums, and then chapter three is bad English, and then we get chapter four, like I said, Temple Bar through Figure in a Landscape, and now <coughs> five. I feel like you're like this acoustic troubadour with these Wooden Heart albums. Yeah. That's it. I couldn't say it better than myself. I mean, after all the rock and roll and trying to find a, a way of saying something that wasn't like everybody else, so it was, wasn't my style, it always draws me back to the acoustic. If you put an acoustic guitar in my in my lap, I'll immediately start playing you a song. If you put a Fender Telecaster in my lap, plugged in, I'll be admiring the guitar and thinking what a beauty it is, but I won't be playing it, you know? Yeah. And uh, and that's, that's the best I can say. I mean, on, on Wooden Heart, there's several Dylan songs. I did a, co a copy of Not Dark Yet, which was a, a pretty heady song to take on. Shadows are falling And I've been here all day It's too hard to sleep And time is running away
and um, did a couple of Richard Thompson songs. Uh, and there's a Donovan song and a Hank Williams song. The rest of it's original, but there's 23 songs. And they all, I think it might be, you know, that's something that I can believe in. I mean, in, a, in an age of computers and auto-tune and basic crap, you know, I mean, I, I just love the idea that I can put that across in such an honest setting. I hope it's in an honest way. But, I mean, it's just, just me and the guitar, maybe a bass or some percussion. But uh, it seems the right place to be at the moment. It seems honest, you know. I like too that there's there's been songs I've listened to that you've been re- that you've recorded where your voice might might crack. Yeah. And you leave it in. And yeah. I, and I like that because yeah. and it becomes like my favorite part of the song almost yeah. because yeah. you were willing to be honest and put it out there and it didn't have to be so so sterile and perfect and that that makes me feel like like I was in the studio with yeah. you and recorded it. Now if I gotta take this thing With my back against the wall Won't you play me some Chuck Jackson And watch those blue shadows fall I'm free but I'm alone Sometimes Yeah, no, I mean, there was a time when I started out being a singer that I'd, I'd be so incredibly nervous in the studio about the vocals. And as I became older, and especially over the last 10 years, it's like, give me the fucking mic. You know, right. I mean, I, I kind of know what I'm doing. And if it, as long as it's in tune, I'm going to keep it. There's some great moments with Paul Rogers where it was with a band called The Firm, which is Jimmy Page. Right, yeah. And, and they're doing You've Lost That Loving Feeling, I think. There's no tenderness when you're not better. And you, baby, babe. And he goes up to this note and misses it completely. His <laughs> voice cracks. And Paul, bless him, just said, that's that's the one, you know. Yeah. And, and, and left it in. I mean, it's like Mary Clayton in Gimme Shelter. When she's singing with Mick Jagger, they go, rape, murder, Maya, you know, and her voice yeah. cracks. It's just, it gives me, I mean, it's like, wow. Yeah, leave that in. That's, leave that's, it in. That's a human, that's a human scream. That's, that's a, the stuff. That's what we're yeah. looking for. Yeah. Um, let's go to, so you released a volume one of uh, Wooden Hearts in 2014 with four tracks and then a volume yeah. two in 2017 with 12 tracks. Yeah. Now volume three, we got seven new tracks and you've put it all together. Yeah. So all 23 tracks. Yeah. And are these, this is available right now digitally. Are you going to yeah. will be physical copies? Yeah. With the, the, the artwork's being finished off now. And um, I've, I'm supposed to write some liner notes. And I'm, I'll probably do that today, actually. But it, it's, it only takes, uh, it's a 10 day turnaround for production. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's fast. That's crazy. Because nobody, nobody's making records in, in, the, in this uh, situation. So uh, it might be around in about three weeks, a month. A hard copy. Uh, it's you know that's I'm I'm kind of proud of it. 
you know, I think it's just what it is and it's not what you expect if you, you know, I mean, I just, it's a good record. You know? Well, if, if people have been following your career, it, it is what we expect because there's, you know, this is the progression. This is where, yeah, where, where you're leading to. Um, I want to talk about the, uh, one of the songs on volume three, you, you mentioned it earlier, but without the title, uh, not, not dark yet. That's a Bob yeah. Dylan song from his yeah. time out of mind album. Yeah. How do you, I mean, you're obviously a, probably a huge Bob Dylan fan. How do you tackle covering a song from one of your idols or one of your heroes? It isn't like that. It isn't like, uh, I wonder how I'm going to show Bob what I do or try and sound like Bob. Okay. It's an affinity or something in your heart. You hear the song and you go like, motherfucker, you know, like, wow. And then it, it was a, a challenge of any singer to sing that song. The lyric is so um, sardonic. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's really dark. Um, I had no doubt in my mind uh, how to sing it or how to produce it. And, I, and my version is, I think it's about 40 seconds longer than Bob's. It is, yes, it's longer. Uh, yeah, I naturally slowed it down. I didn't even check the tempo. It was, it's a work of art, you know? And this is like a mirror, you know? This is to, to the real thing, you know? But it's my mirror. And I, I, you know, I can do it. I mean, I think I paid, I think I did it right. I think I've listened to it a lot. And I think it's one of the best things I've done, but it's also a steep curve. You know, going in to do Dylan is like, uh, yeah, you don't want to sound like him. You just be a fool. You know, you want to do it your own way. And I'm sure that he respects people that try it their own way, you know? Yeah. Out of, uh, out of all the artists that you can cover, you know, Dylan's versions, you know, it's a, it's a high mark to reach yeah. or, to, or to do something different or to make it your own. But you, yeah. you, I love it. I, I really love your version. It's really cool. And Thanks I went so back much. and listened to Bob's and yours back to back. And uh, yeah, just uh, it's a home run. So congratulations, John. Thank you. Thanks very um, much. There's uh, some of the songwriting partners on these 23 tracks over the years, because you, you're revisiting some of your, your older songs and yeah. doing them differently. Although I believe Bluebird Cafe. Yeah. That's the, that's the original version that I've always heard. Right. It sounds. Yeah, it is. It is. Because that uh, was. There's, down. A couple, there's a couple of different mixes. Yeah. Uh, one's got a violin in it and one, I think, and I keep forgetting which one's on the album. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the original. I mean, when, when I had the original master, Mm -hmm. I've used it like masterpiece of loneliness. Well, I come home in the evening to the same old house alone, and in the silence of these empty rooms, I take shelter from the storm. But I bought a paint box. And some brushes, baby To pass the time since you've been gone It's a portrait of a broken man When the colors always run A figure in a landscape It's a work of art you'll see in a landscape 
It's a masterpiece of loneliness That's me Because uh, I wanted to reference those, they couldn't do them any better. I couldn't sing Masterpiece Loneliness better, or produce it better, or Bluebird Cafe. I wanted to put them all on one record, like it was an acoustic, right? You know, and it's it's hard to. I mean, those songs are already stripped down. There's no, you can't really strip them down any more than no, they already. You really couldn't. You would be. Uh, you could, you know, record them outside or something on the beach, or do something in a park. But there's no need to go in a studio and and do that again. Live, maybe. Live would work. Yeah. With uh, with Bluebird Cafe, is there a certain person that that was written about, or is it just all the people that have come through the Bluebird Cafe? No, I, I, I was in Nashville about 20 years ago, and um, I was working with a guy called uh, Donnie Lowry, and uh, I'd written six songs in six days, and Donnie had, had driven like 500 miles to work with me. He lived on a mountain. And... Uh, he had this, this great line, young hearts can fly re- restless and wild. And the guitar went behind the restless and wild. It's a beautiful thing. And we sat down together and couldn't get it anything. I was just worn out. I was just beat. I was tapped, you know. And um, we went for a, a beer. We actually, it was 12 o'clock and I've been working all week. I said, do you want to get a beer? He said, yeah, all right, you know. So I went down to the crab shack on the corner. And um, sat down, and this beautiful Iranian girl, she's about 17, like a stunner. I mean, like, full of life, beautiful eyes, beautiful figure, really fresh. She was the waitress, and she bounced about an oar and said, you know, what's going on? You know, like, and I, I remember looking at her thinking, geez, where did you come from? You know, and she said she's going to play with a boyfriend at the Ace of Clubs that night, and she was... She was really, really happy and full of love and life and young. And, and I, I wondered what her story was. That was the thing, her story. And I thought of all the young girls that they get on a Greyhound bus or save all their money for a coach ticket or share the gas and drive with somebody to, to Nashville from New York or even London. You know, people come from all over the world and what their story is. And I... I we went back in the studio and without missing a beat, I had the whole whole thing. And when it got to the chorus, it's young hearts can fly restless and wild. But she'll get out of this town someday. Yeah. She's got the will. She'll find her way to the stage at the Bluebird Cafe. It was that because it was open mic night, Monday night or something at the Bluebird. I'd only been in once, but I, I, I had reverence for it. You know, people would come from a thousand miles away just to sing a song they'd written and hope to get discovered. So that was what the song was about. It was, uh, yeah, I knew it was good. I mean, I've never, I mean, we do that every night we play anywhere. Her ID says she's 21, but she's just 17. Her apron says Mary, but her real name is Jean. She's working cleaning tables off at the local Dairy Queen. And she's a real thing. Yeah. Young hearts can fly restless and wild. Though it's a thousand days away, 
She's got the will And she'll find the way To the stage of the Bluebird Cafe To the stage of the Bluebird Cafe That's the best beer you ever had. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but the food was terrible, man. <laughs> In the crab shack, they shut it down, though. It's like a country western dance bar or something. But I remember me and Danny were trying to flirt with her. You know, it's like that middle-aged thing. She was just so perfect. And um, But she probably doesn't even suspect. But no. I owe her a great deal, you know. Yeah. And, yeah, now when I hear that song, I think of all the – the young girls who want to become Taylor Swift. Yeah, well, no, but I, I think maybe they're looking at somebody a bit more country. Yeah. I okay. mean, Taylor, God bless her, is, her, her market is very pop and she pays a lot of attention to um, to the journey into womanhood, I think you might call it. And uh, for young, young girls need somebody to talk to. I think she's been a fantastic positive influence on us. But I think, I think people are, are trying to, use an axe when they come to country music. I mean, the real country and, and how it has been and maybe will be again is uh, a poetic, dark, unique view of American life, you know. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Let me ask you about the the title, uh, Wooden Heart. Where does Wooden Heart come from? Well, Wooden Heart, like in... um being uh, like Pinocchio, you know, it's like being dead on your feet, I guess. But it's also wooden music is what they called uh, all the 70s and 60s acoustic music. I've never heard that term before. Yeah. So wooden harp, you know, it's, uh, yeah. All right, cool. Uh, so on the on volume one, you now I don't have the person's first name. I just have their last name, Giles. You wrote two songs with someone whose last name is Giles. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I think it's Nick. But I, I had two songs that I wrote in Nashville a very long time ago. Rick, Rick Giles, Rick Giles. I'm saying Giles. I'm. You're saying Nick. So it's Rick Giles. Yeah, Rick there Giles. And those two songs are the one who got away. Yeah, in Magic, and Magic Camera. Camera. If I had a magic camera, I would take your photograph. I would freeze this frame forever as I watch you kiss me back. And we'd always be together, fair in black and white. Just the way we are tonight And if I had a magic of it I'd take you from this savage place From 
all the sickness and destruction to see the sunshine on your face. Tell us about those two songs. Well, I, I, I think it was on that trip that I wrote um, Bluebird Cafe. I think I was down there and uh, he was very interested in writing with me. And I'd gone on there for, for a week or two. And we wrote two songs. I had the titles and a lot of the melody. And, uh, you know, Magic Camera, the one who got away. The one that got away was actually going to be written about uh, a married couple that are separated, but they're staying together for the children. And the, the, the punchline was going to be, and every night he lays down with the one that got away. So, because he's had an affair, he's betrayed the marriage, but they're in the same bed and she'll never be his again. You know, I thought that's where I was going, but we did it in a bit more familiar terms, I suppose, looking to keep it, you know, accessible to people, but I was going to way darker place. Yeah, I was the wild one, the talk of this town. And I never look back on the hats I tore down With no expectations and no right or wrong And nothing meant nothing till you came along I know you're the one that's got what I need and I know you're the price that I'll pay And you may be the one That brings me to my knees But you won't be the one No, you won't be the one You won't be the one That got away Uh, but they were very good songs. And when it came, they had nothing to do for, for a period. I thought, I've got to go in the studio and cut those songs, you know. And there was two Richard Thompson songs that I've always wanted to sing. Uh, a Heart Needs a Home. Ah, oh, what a beautiful song. When I lived without you So I'm never gonna run away No, I'm never gonna run away I came to you when no one could hear me I'm sick and weary of being alone These empty streets and hungry faces the world's no place when you're on your own A heart needs a home A heart needs a home Some people say so I ended up doing like four songs. It was the first time I made an EP, but, you know, 
And that was just, uh, at that point, that was just like an experiment, something to do. Yeah. And, and you never thought that it would expand to 23 songs. No, I, you know, I, but it's every time, like I said, you know, I, I've got an acoustic guitar there. And I've got like about eight placed around my my home. I mean, they're everywhere I go. It's like, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and I've got a cassette player that I'm working on. I've got a cassette with an old uh, Radio Shack player that's got maybe 30 songs on it. And uh, that's my next project. Because these songs, the really powerful melodies and stuff, and it's just having the impetus, you know. Yeah. If, if we can just do a tour or if we can get out of this mess that we're in, I want to come out swinging with something brand new, you know. But um, it's, it's, I just, you know, I just need a goal. I need to uh, have a date. I have to commit to something, you know. And I'm gone. I just go to work. It's nice that, at, uh, you know, you've been doing this a long time and you're still looking for the next thing or the next great song. Yeah. Some people some people are comfortable, you know, when they've had a career like yours to just go out and sing the 12 hits, you know, yeah. on the weekends. And you're not, I feel like, I feel like you're more of an, you're an artist. You're, you're more of a, a singer songwriter a guy who like well like i just said looking for the next the next great song yeah you never stop i mean i was i was reading um raymond chandler last night you know i love his writing and uh you know you read these lines and some of it is just repartee you know it's just so funny but it's dark as well chandler goes off and describes la in the 40s and and you go with him on this ride you know it's like uh the Big Sleep and The Long Goodbye and The Little Sister, all those great books, but it's music, you know. Uh, Lou Reed said that. He said, after Raymond Chandler, nothing matters. But uh, you read these uh, lines in a book, or like it's that picture on the front of the New York Times of St. Patrick's Day, and something goes like, you know, you understand it. It's like not dark yet. It's like you understand it. It speaks to you. It's like your brother or your sister. And it's a it's a it's a place I live. You know, I, I I go down the street and I see things, and I it triggers something in me, and I, I could probably write a song on the spot. I mean, I I can't explain where it comes from. There isn't any way you can train yourself to do it or learn how to do it. You either got it or you don't really. But it keeps your mind pretty busy. Yeah, I would think so. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. How do you go about when you're writing with someone you've never written before and you guys just sit down in a room together with guitars? Yeah. How, how do you form a, a, a repartee or a partnership? Yeah, well, I, it's been very rare that I've, I've actually done that and, and not struck up a friendship. There's, there's the people who would want to work with you in the first place are kind of like you in some strange way. They could be like Danny Lowry, big mountain man. Uh-huh. He turned me on to Dolly Parton, you know, you know. You know, it, it's like people, those kind of artists are, are, are pretty sensitive. I mean, I, was, I went down to Nashville and I was working with um, uh, 
a lot of people really, but they were all the same person. You know, it's like um, it it's yeah. The idea is there's no excuse when you go in a room with somebody. Jeffrey Steele, I worked with Jeffrey Steele cold, and um, we did the song called The Hard Way, and I had the title The Hard Way. I had the melody with no words. I love that. And song. I had, yeah, and I have the guitar lick, you know, and then the, the verse melody, which was based on a Paul McCartney song, Hi, Hi, Hi. <laughs> and, uh, and the guitar lick, and I, I said to Jeff, I said, look, man, I've got these pieces, and I don't know what to do with them. And I played him the pieces, and he looked at it. Uh, it's like that... Um, that movie Doc Holiday, where the mechanic looks at the smashed up Porsche and he says, I can fix that. <laughs> and that was like what, what he was like, you know, he looks at the song and we're like, yeah, I can do that. And, he, and I watched him. I just stood back at that. I'd given him a lot, you know, I'd given him yeah. like the title, the lick, the melody. And he just like, he wrote this lyric on top of what I'd got and, and put it, and then put it, it just ridiculous. And there but, was. He, yeah, and there it was. You just you throw somebody the ball, and uh, generally, you know, when you're writing a song with somebody, one of you writes more than the other, uh-huh. and sometimes the other guy can just play a couple of chords, and that's all it takes to get you going. But without the chords, you wouldn't be able to come up with the melody and the lyric. So it's uh, it's always a very even thing at the end. But when you do this, you have to, you can't hold back. You can't, no. you, you have to, you have to not be afraid for the other person to go, oh, I don't like that, John. Or- no, 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 no. I, I did that with Kyle Cook once. We're, we're writing it for Matchbox 20. I said, I'm going to come over tomorrow. And I don't want you to, I'm going to come in through the door, come straight up to the studio room. And you're going to start playing music. I don't want to know anything about what you've done. Or I just start playing something and I'm going to show you what I've got. And he started playing, and I, and I came in and said, I've been watching you, watching me. I've been watching you, watching me. Can't you tell what I'm going through? I want to hold your fire, want to get you higher. Think of the things we'll do. You put it out there, then you take it back. Feel this. 
And uh, and he's like looking at me, his eyes were like saucers. Like, <laughs> really? You know? And I said, yeah. And then I played, played the bass and played this like funky thing, like isn't it time? And we had this wonderful, wonderful song. And then uh, he says, let's do a breakdown. I said, okay. He says, I see it as being kind of like something magical. Yeah. And I, I, I sang this thing about it's a voodoo kind of thing and it's okay. And this rap about Central Park. Start to feel the rush of the far, far time. Moonlight's kicking in the door. Stay awake and keep it raw. Good all night and got the floor. You're beautiful. And again, he was looking at me like, what? And I went, this is it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like a a relay. You know, somebody hands you something and you either run with it or you hand it back. But I mean, when it's when it's like that and you're trying really hard, it's like closing your eyes. Keith Richards said, all you've got to do is close your eyes. And that's it. Yeah. The uh, and, and then, of course, if, if people don't know, you can hear those uh, Kyle Cook songs on Rough and Tumble. Yeah. You guys, yeah. You guys wrote some amazing songs for that album. The songs, you're, the songs on cassette right now that are you said you have like 30 ideas or 30 yeah. songs. Yeah. Is this going to be, is this going to be back to a rock album? Or, I don't know. I don't I, know. I, okay. I, did, I think I'm trying to find what I'm trying to do now. I went in, the, when I went in the studio, before I did the Wooden Heart songs, I, tr- I had found two songs in my files that were really great songs. And I thought, man, where did these come from? And it's me singing them. You know, I mean, there's that long ago. I took them in the studio and I couldn't get anything done. And I spent like, a huge amount of money and spent two weeks bringing in different guitar players and trying to, I could, I had Neil Giraldo sent me a, a keyboard part to go in the chorus, which was great, but I still couldn't get the songs to work. And I think the thing with me now is every time you plug in a guitar or the drummer kicks in, you've heard it a million times before. And what I'm thinking now, I listen to like Bill Evans a lot and I listen to, uh, Chet Baker and so I, and some classical music, but in my head, I I want I think it's about instrumentation. I think I'd like to try for the same style of songwriting, maybe, but with different instruments. And I think that may be where the future is. Gotcha. Yeah, that'll be there's cool. Something, there's something wrong with just like everybody plugging in and counting something off. Yeah, and it could be any band in the world, you know. And then when it comes. The time for the guitar player to take a solo. It's always the big guitar. It's like, get the fuck out. Is there, is there nothing else you've ever thought of doing, you know? So, so if you say in your head, I'm going to write a rock album, it just doesn't work like that. It can. It can if you've got the right guitar player. If the guitar player comes in, like with Gary Myrick, when I was working on the No Breaks album, who's yeah. a very unorthodox guitar player. He wasn't like the standard rock guy. He was a very artistic guy who had a very authentic Texas blues style, but he was also very modernistic and unconventional, unorthodox. 
And that blew my mind. I was suddenly writing songs on the way to get the car keys to go to the studio. <laughs> I mean, I was writing songs and finishing them off that night. I mean, it was just like, it was a ball of fire. Because yeah. it, it was just new. Somebody was throwing down the gauntlet and saying, come on. And it was like, watch this, you know. Nice. Yeah, I was right. I remember being in New York, writing the lyrics for Saturday night. As I was eating a boiled egg, you know, my girlfriend was making breakfast and I'm, and I got a pen and paper and I'm finishing the lyrics and I'm going in the studio and singing them. I mean, it's just like so fast, so, yeah. so incredibly fast, you know. I remember, uh, you know, Missing You was the hit single and on the radio and then the album came out and I obviously picked up the album. And when I dropped the needle and Saturday night plays, you're, you're, I'm immediately like, oh, well, this isn't going to be an album of Missing You. This is going to be. Oh, yeah. A, a, I mean, that album's that's a rocking album. And yeah. I, I saw you uh, open for Scandal in Pittsburgh on that tour. Yeah. And, um, I remember there was a lot of uh, a lot of girls in the audience at that time. And you guys were a rock band. You guys were rocking. And they were kind of like, wait a minute. What about missing you? And it's like, that that's going to come. But you're going yeah. to. They're, they're going to get to it. But uh, great show. Yeah. But I think that was. Uh, I was never one thing or the other, you know. I, mean, I, right, I agree, agree. You know, I mean, it's like I met James Hetfield at the Eddie Money Tribute. He's a great guy. He comes up to me, found me. He says, John Waite. And I go like, yeah, you know. He said, I want to thank you for all the music for the babies. It was really great and got me through a lot of rough times. And I ended up talking to James for like half an hour. But James has got like a really fierce image. You know, he's like, yeah. you know, and a beautiful version of... Uh, Baby, hold on to me. Yeah, it was it was amazing. It, really great, you know. And uh, but he's got this image where I'm I, I can't help but smile when I see everybody running around in black leather, and you know, a lot of those guys live with their parents. You know, it's like it's just <laughs> something, this is just something about it. I mean, like when I was in New York City, all the all the people that looked like that lived like that. You yeah, know, it was PBGBs in the Bowery, and and it was just profound. But this rock image of like, you know, I'm a badass, man. And then they go and play golf on Sunday. You know, it's, I just don't get it. And I find it very, I think I've not, my image has always been sort of like an English, uh, I don't know what you, I really don't know what my image is, but I, I know it's not like them. So uh, I'm coming from a different place, really. I just, I, now I just think of you as a, I really think of you as a singer songwriter. That's how. Well, yeah, I, I, that's I, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Yeah. I, let me ask about missing you because you were talking about because that is three songwriters on it. Yeah. What what did you bring to missing you? What did uh, 
and I got their names down. Mark here. Leonard and Chaz Sanford. Yes. What did they What did they bring to it? Who I was working with Chaz on a song. Uh, we'd finished the record, and I knew we hadn't got a single. And David Thorner was mixing and doing some touch-ups on the guitar with Gary. And I said, I've got to go. And, and every chance I got, I used to go somewhere to try and write a song. And I'd been working on this song called, forget what it was, with Chaz. And I arrived and he was looking for the song on the tape and he hit the stop button at the wrong moment because he hadn't put code on it, you know? And the song stopped and played and it was ding, 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 ding. And I said, what's that? And he said, oh, it's just something I'm working on, you know? I said, yeah, but I'd write something like that. You know, let me have a shot at that. And uh, we were in his house on Mount Olympus. And I went in the bedroom where he had a mic stand and some headphones and a mic. And he played it down once and didn't record it. <laughs> and I, uh, I made all this stuff up, just bang. And I said, look, record this one, will you? Mother, you know, I wasn't thinking <laughs> about him not recording it because I'd put some great stuff into it. And he played it. And I got the whole first verse, the bridge and the first chorus in one piece. Wow. One piece. I even used the babies every time I think of you line to get me going. Yeah. Every time I think of you, I always catch my breath and I'm yeah. still standing here and you're miles away, et cetera, et cetera. And I ain't missing you at all since you've been gone away all in one piece. Amazing. And I, and I, it was like, I put my finger in a socket. I mean, I came off the mic, like somebody had punched me. I was in a trance like state, you know, I also hadn't been home for three months. So I was full of feelings of regret and loneliness and distance. And it, that's where it came out. But that's, they had this backing tape and I had this this other thing and that was missing you. Every time I think of you I always catch my breath And I'm still standing here And you're miles away And I'm wondering why you left And there's a storm that's raging And it always makes me smile I spend my time thinking about you And it's almost driving me wild And there's a heart that's breaking Down this long distance line tonight Are you saying that was the last song written for No Breaks? Yeah, yeah. I knew it. we didn't have enough songs. I was looking at it the other day. I think there's only eight songs on the album. I, uh, I believe dream, so. Maybe, maybe nine, but yeah, there's yeah. Yeah, eight. but he says Dream Time slash right slash Shake it up, Shake it up, and that makes it I think eight or nine. But they asked me the record. My manager said, Ken, "What can you do to make another song?" I said, "Just put just put a slash there." <laughs> <laughs> I mean this um. This this is a story I hear often. Like uh, for Bruce Springsteen's "Born in the USA," they told him we don't we need a single, and so the last song he wrote was "Dancing in the Dark." I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it happens sometimes. So, but well, I think it's so. Once you once you realize what you've got, you can top it, right? 
the problem is going into an album, trying to top something you haven't done, you don't know where you're going. You could write 10 really substantial songs, and maybe some of them are great, going to punch through the, the wall, you know. But once you know what you've got, the game changes because you know what you haven't got. Yeah. And it's usually that piece that's going to keep people awake at night. And this, uh, this missing you, this is the gift that keeps on giving because I'm sure, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's still played on the radio. You still hear it on the radio, which is, um, I guess, a blessing and a curse because you have so many other songs that I would love to hear. Oh, no, it's, 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 you know, free had all right now. Well, that's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and in some ways, I'm sure that Paul and all the other band members we're going like, Jesus, you know, <laughs> you know, but I do this as well, you know, but uh, I got the publishing back about six months ago. Finally got the publishing back. You you didn't have the publishing? No. So you were not making money off that song? I got, I got the writer's share, which is okay. like, uh, it's not very good, but it was, it was, you know, it's money coming in. Mm-hmm. But now everything's suddenly, um, you know, I'm, I'm making a lot more money suddenly. And um, it's a nice thing to have, you know. Well, but, I would uh, say so, yeah. Yeah, but it is one of those songs. The fact that it was made up on the spot and it was lyrical is is enough to make it unusual. But they're the ones, you know, that when you come out, unless you're copying somebody else and just stealing stuff off them, which people do. But I think the fact that it was so spontaneous and so unrestrained and so unselfconscious, you know, it really was. There was no intent. It was all made up. It just fell out of the ether, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like some of your songs to me are very uh they're they're heartbreaking. They're very, they're very sad. When when you're writing those songs, are you feeling that emotion yourself? Oh yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't um no, absolutely. That's just what I write. The, the stuff that makes me write songs is is the more unhappy kind of aspect of daily life when i'm happy i just whistle you know i'm just (laughs) i'm just having a great time and i love the world and the world loves me kind of thing but i I think the darker stuff i think it's rooted in the blues i think it's where the blues comes from and i think the darker country stuff that i grew up on the reason to write a song was basically uh unrequited love or or something going terribly wrong uh, but there's things I've written like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Peace of Mind and Run to Mexico, the yeah. babies, you know, and... I mean, I've really written a lot of stuff that is sort of it has a very strong narrative, but it's not about relationships. Right. But I think in the past, when I've been going through my life, 
a lot of that was in play in my personal life. And I think, uh, you know, I felt it pretty deeply. So I wrote songs about it. And when you perform those songs now, yeah. does, does the emotion still come up in every performance? Yeah. I, you know, you can be in front of 10,000 people singing a song, but it's an interior experience. You're experiencing that person that you wrote it about and everybody's looking at you, maybe 10,000 people, and you're having a, a solitary experience. It's, it's the most strange thing, you know? Some of the collaborators that you've worked with uh, on some of my favorite albums, uh, I just want to mention, uh, you and Shane Fontaine yeah. wrote some yeah. amazing songs. Yeah. You and Glenn Burtnick wrote yeah. songs too. Glenn is a master, yeah, uh, a master. Once you've written with some of these people, do you want to go back and work with them again? Or is it like, I don't know that we can recapture it. I don't know if. Well, case in point, case in point with Glenn, who I've been working with on, on numerous different songs. We wrote downtown together. Yes. Which was the beginning. It's like when we wrote that, everything just opened. It was like, it was about New York city and descent and uh, a rough life and my new life back in the city. a better way and all I need is to feel connected now do you remember me I sang that song you like I sang that song for free now someone else Sounds like me as I make my way downtown. Downtown, oh yeah. Downtown, see the old man on the Bowery. Take the night train to the stone. And we wrote that on an old beaten up piano. And then it was like, Jesus, that's good, isn't it? And, and it was like, yeah. And then we wrote New York City Girl about six months later. And then we wrote St. Patrick's Day. And it was like, Jesus Christ, you know, these, <laughs> these are, and it's really, you know, an equal partnership. We're just forging these ideas to make it go in a way. And he came over to the apartment about two years ago it was in town. He brought a guitar. And I thought, okay, we're going to roll the dice again. You know, we got nothing, nothing. And uh, it wasn't like, oh, fuck. It wasn't like disappointing. It was like we have these three songs, which could be my, my testimony, really, that some of the best stuff. They fit right into Bluebird Cafe, mm -hmm. a masterpiece of loneliness. They were very, very lyrical. They weren't vaulting big harmonies and all that kind of pop. They were very severe confessional songs, you know? And, you know, I take my hat off. I mean, he's, he's just great, but we had that magic for three songs. Yeah. And then when you, when you can't recapture it, do you guys just look at each other and laugh? Are you like, well, I guess we're done. No, we, you know, it's, we're both very polite and it's like the, the idea we were working on that wasn't going anywhere. So I'll work on this. 
And he's going, yeah, I'll look at that too, Johnny. <laughs> we both know it's not going to happen, really, you know, because with the other songs, it was so electric. You know, yeah. we knew we had something really dynamite, you know. But, yeah. uh, you know. Yeah, I love, uh, yeah, Downtown is terrific. I don't, I don't like to tell an artist that this is your best album, I, but I will tell you that Temple Bar for me, it, it's my favorite. It's my personal favorite. I get that a lot. Top to bottom. Yeah, I get that. And I, the, I, it's like a desert island disc for some people, but it was my first outing really after bad English. And I really, really didn't want to make a big production, you know, right. with three minute songs. I, it was a very, very personal record. And I was on a highway at the time. I was living pretty large in New York. I was, my playtime was, was pretty much playtime. And my, my work time was equally as, as, as uh, rigorous. It was great, you know, but I mean, uh, that is my best record. I bought it back from the record. I just couldn't stand anybody else owning it. So I I bought it back. I don't know how many years ago it was, but you, uh, you released some of these albums with bonus tracks through your website. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and one of those songs that was, it was a bonus track on the re-release of when you were mine, I'm ready. You re-recorded it for this. Yeah. That's a fantastic song. I, people need to, uh, to definitely oh, hear that you. song. It's so good. If I was a vagabond out on the lanes with the tinkers and gypsies, and I wouldn't take change for a handful of wildflowers, would you think I was strange? And that I seemed too familiar, like we'd met yesterday, cause I'm ready. To see your eyes again Yeah, I'm ready, baby Before this episode ends In the flicker of days As the curtain descends Yeah, I'm ready, baby To find you again Yeah, again Yeah, I wrote that in um, in my cottage in England when I was married, and it's it's a it's an old song. But it was a stormy night in the uh, in the Lake District, and I'm in this cottage upstairs, and I, it 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 yeah, it is a good song. The reincarnation, you know, reincarnation. When you buy your albums back, so that means you own the masters to Temple. Yeah. yeah. Where do the masters live? They're not in your apartment. No, I didn't get the, the idea was we can't find the masters, but you own them. He couldn't be bothered to go and get them out of his, you know, factory or whatever. But I got the rights to uh, the album themselves and I had pristine copies of the tapes that were mastered on too. So it was kind of like, okay. And I also found in my files two songs that I haven't put on the record um, for bonus tracks. So it was really a, it was a really great thing to get it back. It was, it meant a lot to me. Yeah. So could there be a re-release of that down the line? Well, it is. I mean, you can, it's released. You can get it on iTunes. You can get a hard copy from uh, my website. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, uh, all the albums, the John Wayne albums are, are remastered with bonus tracks and you can get them from John Wayne worldwide. Okay. Yeah. There you go, people. That's oh, just go to iTunes and and, and oh, just, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still like physical. I still like to Me hold too. CD. 
Yeah, I know. I almost released this new record without doing the CD. I couldn't make up my mind if it mattered. You know, I, there's no CD shops anymore. So I'm thinking, who's going to buy this? We're not on the road, you know. But all I've heard since the album came out is when's hard copy coming? When's hard copy? And you, so I, you know, hmm. and the uh, you did the artwork for the cover. Yeah, yeah. I I, 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 I paint, so I, I dashed off a. Uh, it's kind of a self-portrait playing the guitar. The self-portraits you do, I mean, I don't paint, so forgive me. <laughs> they seem simple, but they really have the John Waite essence of you with that guitar. It's That's you. Well, it's it's very easy. I mean, I used, to, I used to do this little sort of caricature for fans outside the gig. If somebody couldn't get in and they were waiting outside for you to come out of the dressing room after the show, I always try to do something nice for them, like like give them a little cartoon on their album cover. Yeah. And, and then I got requests. Can you send me one of those for my girlfriend? Then I got like, would you paint one if I, you know, sent you? And in the end, I just thought, oh, man. I just started banging them out. And we sold them at shows. Uh, we just, they always sold out. And I put them on the website. And I think we've sold... About 150 or yeah. 200. I don't know. It's a huge it's crazy. Amount. Yeah, it's it great. More, it, made, it made more money last year than the music. And we had a great year last year. It's just like a ridiculous thing. But the cheap and the the, the, the personal and they're, uh, I like them. And they're I one like of a kind. Them. One of a kind. Yeah, the unique, you know. So excellent. Yeah. Buy one. If, if one of my favorite artists was doing something, it was like almost, you know, just. It's it's just not expensive. It's a nice keepsake. It know? is a nice keepsake, and it's yeah. uh, and it's it's and again, it's really a personal touch. Yeah, know? it's yeah. right from your hand. Well, John, this has been a a wonderful conversation today. I really enjoy talking with you again. Thank you. I want people to go, and if you want to wait for the physical copy, so be it. But if not, go to all the digital outlets and purchase and download Wooden Heart Acoustic Anthology, the complete recordings volume one, two, and three. Some of your favorites are here redone, and then you're going to find new songs. Catch the Wind, the Donovan song you do, fantastic. And I can't say enough about this collection. It's really wonderful. So as a fan, thank you. I, I'm, I, you know, that means a lot to me. I mean, it really does. And I, I uh, thank you very much. It's great. Thank you. You're, you're welcome, John. I also want to thank Tim Hogan for setting this up. I yeah. want to tell people to go to uh, on Twitter, you can follow John at John Waite Singer and website. You can go to johnwaiteworldwide.com. And before we go, John, as a playout song, which song from this collection do you want me to tack on to the end of this episode? Oh, man. You know, Missing You is pretty good. I mean, Missing You, uh, you know, it's, it's a lovely, uh, it, it would remind people where it all came from. And it's a lovely version. Yeah. Oh, okay, excellent. Uh, you can follow us at Rock Solid Show. Go to rocksolidpodcast.com. Everybody, please enjoy the new acoustic version of Missing You. Thanks, John. Thank you. I think of you I always
just catch my breath And I'm still standing here And you're miles away And I'm wondering why you left And there's a storm that's raging Through my frozen heart tonight And I hear your name In certain circles And it always makes me smile I spend my time Thinking about you And it's almost Driving me wild And it's my heart That's breaking Down this long Distance line I ain't missing you at all Well, there's a message in the wire And I'm sending you the signal tonight You don't know how desperate I've become And it looks like I'm losing this fight in your world I have no meaning Though I'm trying hard to understand And it's my heart that's breaking Yeah, down this long distance line tonight I ain't missing you That I'm sending out Like a telegraph To your soul And if I can't bridge this distance Stop this heartbreak overload That was great. You know, it was so weird. I was mastering the record like a month ago and I was just down in like oh, above Studio City or whatever it was. Uh-huh. And, I walked, and I walked past the, and I, I just, I thought of you. It was like the weirdest thing. That is and weird. Thought, and I thought of that interview and we were talking about 9-11 and I thought, Jesus Christ, I bet they thought I was crazy. Because oh, it was so, emo- it was so emotional because it was just like devastating, you know. And, um, but there you are, you show up, uh, you know, four weeks later and it's great. <laughs> 